What if it? What if we like renamed Vespa? <laughs> Vesper. Vespita. Vespita. Vespisa. What else means speed and your speed or like? Fastba. Oh. <laughs> so for my bike simulation for school, uh, my team named uh, our bike company Vicious Cycle. And then we had we had a recreational bike, a mountain bike, and a speed bike. Uh, and the recreational bike was called uh, Recycle. The mountain bike was called Cycle Path. And the speed bike was called Fast AF. And then when we did second <laughs> versions, like we had to keep recreating new bikes and when we got new features and things like that. And so then it was just Recycle 2.0, Cycle Path 2.0, Faster AF, and then Fastest <laughs> AF. I need all of those to be real things right now. Please, Great. please, Great. please, please make those real things. Welcome to another episode of Disney Versus, where all the best things are above the surface. I almost messed up. <laughs> this is the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori. I'm Grace. I always said I was Tori. I don't know why. <laughs> but you're not me. You are nope, not me. Sure not. If this is your first time listening, welcome. What we usually do on this podcast is we, uh, what we've done in the past is we've ranked and debated uh, animated movies, Disney and Pixar, until we have a true winner. Also now Disney Properties. Yes, all Disney Properties. Today we are talking about Pixar's new animated film that just dropped on Disney Plus, Luca. And before we get into that, I would like to thank our sponsor for the day, Vespa. Vespa is freedom. Thanks. This episode is not actually sponsored by Vespa. I wish. That'd be great. I do too. Vespa, we're open. <laughs> Drop, drop us a few coin, and uh, we will talk about you on podcasts forever until the end of time. But thank you, Vespa. Grace, what you watching? I am watching almost nothing. Um, I'm currently doing my farewell tour in Seattle. I leave in 10 days. What, what? It's the final um, countdown. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can't pay for that song. Sorry. That was less than 10 seconds, right? Isn't there a, oh, yeah. isn't there a second rule? Something. Uh, I, I am, I'm reading a lot. I'm reading a lot of crap. My mom messaged me and she's like, now that you're out of grad school, you can read for pleasure. And I was like, I mean, yes. Is that but I'm reading utter crap. R- reading for pleasure? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Funny. You're funny. Um. But I am on book talk, which means that I'm reading a lot of romance and new adult or young adult fiction, like A Court of Thorns and Roses and other stuff from Blood and Ash and Red, White, and Royal Blue. So if you want recommendations on um, a variety of book talk hit me up but wait that's so what, what is I'm book talk not watching is, is book, book talk an so, app no so there's tiktok 
And in the TikTok universe, um, if you get into like a stream of like a category, so for book lovers, it's called book talk or like say it's dad jokes, then it might be dad talk. Oh, okay. It's See, I'm not clever, on TikTok Tori. at all. It's it is clever. That's good. It, Don't do it. <laughs> it's it's clever now, I guess. But yeah, I'm. Tori, are you on yeah. TikTok? No. I think we should petition for Tori to start our Disney versus TikTok. No, may not. This I don't know year. what we would do, but <laughs> not this. Yeah, what what would I do? You could do cooking videos, except now you're like halfway done. See, in the heart, I, I've thought a lot about that. My sister was asking, like, why don't you do videos? And I said, three th- three reasons. I'm doing all of this on the fly. Mm-hmm. Like, last night I was making a recipe, and right when I was ready to start, like, I did step one, and I immediately screwed up on step one. So I'm like, crap, I got to run to the store, get more puff pastry, and keep going. So that added, like, 20 minutes to the whole bake time, and... Yeah, it, it would be a whole mess. Number two, I don't have a setup in my apartment to be able to film stuff while I'm doing it. Like the most I can do is pictures and short little videos like on Facebook while I'm uh, like while I'm watching water boil or while the ice cream machine is going. That's the most I can do. And then number three, my apartment is a fucking mess. My kitchen is a mess at all times when I'm cooking. <laughs> So that wouldn't look good on YouTube. Everybody's kitchens are so fancy and nice. And I'm just like, hey, here are my Oreos next to my bacon jerky in the background. That's the stuff that you don't see when I take pictures. (laughs) Also, hashtag bacon jerky. Get on it. It's delicious. It's just bacon. I think think that's just bacon. Amber uh, and I have been talking. It's just bacon. Amber and I have been talking about. I guess it's cured bacon, but. Uh, she regularly goes in on a cow with a few of her coworkers. Um, they'll like from a, I guess it's not a butcher, but a seller, a farmer maybe. Um, and she asked if I wanted part of the cow and you get like all these different cuts of meat and it's really high quality. And, um, I was like, I do not want to commit to that much beef, but pork, I could go in on a. I could go in on a pig. Can we do that? Can we do a pig? <laughs> pig sounds a lot easier because yeah. it's relatively smaller. Well, I think I also, like, with beef, I only know how to use beef a handful of different ways. Like, I can do roast. I can do steak. I don't even use ground beef, really, at all. I could do... You could do pho. I don't know. I could do pho. But, like, even skirt steak. Like, I'm, I'm used to cooking with skirt steak and that isn't one of the cuts that they give Mm. um so i was like okay well i don't know what to i don't know what to do with that much cow but pig like i can use some pork loin i can do carne adovada i can do bacon i can do i can do more pork chops Mm. welcome to grace and tori catching up and and getting totally off track i did this before our last episode and i'll bring it up when we talk about luca um i saw in the heights uh, a while I haven't back. seen it yet. Oh, it's so good. I might go do that today. Ooh, I recommend it, especially because it's about to be so hot in Seattle, apparently, and so that's hot. that's a plot in the movie. Not a spoiler because it's a fifteen-year-old 
musical. <laughs> but yeah, it's such a summer movie. Uh, and it's just a just a Latinx pride movie. That's what I mm-hmm. equated it to. And it's just a great summer movie. And I also made the mistake of watching... Well, not the mistake of, of the movies, but I watched the entire John Wick trilogy in two mm-hmm. days. So... Yeah, I'm really sharp, and I want to fight all the things right now. And I kind of want a dog, too. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Dogs are expensive. They're not, though. They really are. When you live in an apartment, they're expensive. Oh, that's true. You have to pay apartment or pup rent. Yup. Gross. Don't do that. It's a racket. It's a whole fucking racket. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We're still trying to figure out if... Allison or Amber are going to come live with me when I get my new house. Um, but if they don't, then I will likely get a dog. Can't you do both? Have them live with you and get a dog? I could, but both of them have dogs, and um, and I don't know. Like, I have allergies. I don't know that I need a two-dog household. Fair enough. Moving on to news, we have some casting news. Rachel Zegler, who will be debuting this December in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, has just been cast as Snow White for the live-action Snow White movie that, of course, Disney is making. And when I say debuting, I mean literally this is her first film. She's done a couple of stage things that weren't huge, and she's just doing this. I guess she's good. I guess I gotta go see West Side Story now. I uh, am trying to Google, and Google's not working. That's not great. How is Google not working? Don't know. That's definitely a glitch in the Matrix. Someone yeah. hit refresh on the simulation that we are all living in. I mean, I really don't have much to say about it. I mean, I am in the bag for all of these live-action movies as long as they don't look like utter garbage. Because with there being a Snow White movie and they're working on a, a Little Mermaid right now, I am mm-hmm. all in on thinking that, hey, the princesses are going to meet up Avengers style eventually. Oh because, gosh, please. Because right now we have Mulan, we have Aurora, we have... Um, Do we have Aurora? Yeah, Aurora's in Maleficent. Oh, right. Uh, we have Cinderella, we have Jasmine, we're going to have Ariel, and then we're going to have Snow White. And that's really all we need. Rapunzel. Ah, uh, we don't need Rapunzel. Watch there be an announcement to do a live-action Rapunzel. Oh, God, next please week. no. Please, God, no. Don't need that. I'm not a Tangled fan. I'll say that right now. I need to watch the movie, but as of right yeah, now, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan. It's been a while since we talked about that one. Yeah, it has. I can't... I can get excited about casting, but she's... Hasn't... She's been in one movie that hasn't come out yet, so... I hope she's good. I bet it's going to be good. Everyone's excited about West Side Story. There was a trailer for West Side Story when I went and saw it in the Heights, and somebody clapped. And I was like, oh, God, this is why I go to the movies by myself. This past week, on June 21st, was the 25th anniversary of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Nice. I read a couple of news stories. Of course, they did a an oral history of the movie that I haven't had a chance to read. What I did read was all the smaller articles that came out about the things that almost happened about the movie. 
And the most interesting ones were Michael Jackson almost produced a version of the songs God Help the Outcast, Out There, and Someday, which was played over the credits. And Mm -hmm. Disney said no. Hmm. Interesting. Read these articles on SlashFilm.com slash Disney. And reading that article, that article was definitely my favorite because the way it worked out, like Alan Menken had a meeting with Michael Jackson and he saw a cut of the movie and was like, hey, I want to do a version of these songs. I want to produce one or all of these songs. Mm-hmm. And Menken was like, great, let me ask Disney. And they were like, uh, we'll get back to you because it was in 96 or it was in 95 when he was dealing with his, you know, his first child allegations and came back yeah. and they were like disney would not like to pursue this with mr jackson this and make was like well can someone at disney tell michael that, tell him that. yeah and, and i think it was mankin's what late manager or someone that had to tell michael or his attorneys that they don't want to work with him and i was like oh snap Ooh. awkward Disney some punks for that though, like, wow, for not delivering it themselves or for yeah. it down. I can understand why they did yeah. want to. Like, it would have been awesome. Like, I could definitely see him. Like, with the subject matter of God Help the Outcast or the lyrical content of God Help the Outcast and Someday, I could definitely see Michael Jackson being involved with that because Someday is all about how you know someday, someday people won't be awful. Basically. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a song that Michael Jackson would be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Sir Anthony Hopkins was almost the voice of Frollo, which would have been more, way more creepy because it was, they did a, they did a voice test with his dialogue from Silence of the Lambs and yo. Wait, like, like audio from Silence of the Lambs and, and video from Hunchback? Oh, that, I. I think that's the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> that's unnerving, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, those things separately are the stuff of nightmares. Together, yeah. that's probably a mental breakdown waiting to happen. Yeah. Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was a then executive at Disney, wanted Cher as Esmeralda and Meatloaf as Quasimodo for more of a rock opera feel. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool, actually. I mean, I'm glad they did it, but if there's a if there's a reimagining of Hunchback or if they do a live action, I'm not opposed. Everybody wants Josh Gad to be Quasimodo in yeah. a live action, which is probably the only answer to that. But I, I don't know if Josh Gad could pull up a rock opera, but I wouldn't put it past oh. him. Uh, I mean, yeah, Josh Gad is a singer. Well, yeah. He's a stage performer. I think he could do it. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it it makes total sense that Katzenberg had that idea. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at some point in time, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Arsenio Hall, Cyndi Lauper, and Sam McMurray were all considered to voice gargoyles. Roy Disney heard Lauper and McMurray's performances as gargoyles and was Mm -hmm. like, this isn't working. No. He he said that their voices were grating as oh. gargoyles. Ooh, that's that's, that's harsh. Not good. Yeah, I don't really 
I liked the gargoyles, so I I feel like that's okay. I also find um like I like some of the celebrity voiceovers, um, but or voice acting, but it can also be distracting. Yeah. Like Beyonce was distracting. Yep. <laughs> I I did this with this this happened briefly with uh with Luca, but I I try really hard not to sit and think about during the movie like oh who's the voice of this because if they tell mm-hmm. me if they tell me if it's in the marketing that's fine I can get past yeah. it if it's a big name that wasn't advertised and it's a surprise it's going to distract me for the whole movie mm-hmm. I like when they get big names or not so big names and they just do a fantastic performance that or an immersive performance where you can hardly tell it's them mm-hmm. that at, that enriches the the character and the vocal performance and i'll get into that with um some stuff in luca but that's what mm-hmm. i like the most about voice acting oh man i just pulled up the cast for luca because i actually haven't looked yet i didn't look after the first time i saw it well again we'll get into it yeah you ready to talk about luca i'm ready to talk about luca let's talk about luca after this word from our sponsor fastpa it's like vespa but faster now with their new faster EF model. <laughs> Scopa, we can go anywhere. Do anything. We just gotta stick together. We underdogs have to look out for each other, right? Underdogs! This is gonna be the best summer ever. We'll ride down every road. See the whole world together. It'll be amazing. (laughs) But there's just one thing. Whoa, 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 wait! Did you see that? No one can find out. Please don't Did you boys say you were from? (laughs) Luca is the feature debut of director Enrico Casarosa, who was the director of the Academy Award-nominated short La Luna. That makes so much sense. Yeah, when they were looking at the moon, I was like, oh, this looks like La Luna. And then I looked Uh him up. I was like, oh, it makes sense. The moon looks exactly like La Luna. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the boats. It, it was the boats to me that I was like, why is this so familiar? That's what it was. Uh, it was written by Mike Jones, who was also one of the writers of Soul, and Jesse Andrews, who was the author of the screenplay and the book for Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Hmm. It's one of those YA Never novels that. that were turned into books. Or, sorry, one of those YA novels that was turned into a movie about a girl who has cancer and a guy in school who never noticed her before until he she had cancer well she's had cancer the entire time and then he meets her and finds out that he that she has cancer and devotes the rest of the movie to being 
her friend slash love interest. And then, of course, so spoiler alerts, a, she dies of cancer. She dies. Yes. So it's a walk to remember. It is a walk to remember. <laughs> Throwback, Mandy Moore. There are like 40 of those movies. Like, yeah, literally 40 of those movies, either based on a book or that are an original concept. Sorry, I'm not trying to slander this man. I'm just pointing out something about cancer movie culture. I don't know. Cancer yeah. culture. <laughs> <laughs> the movie stars Jacob Tremblay as Luca, Jack Dylan Grazer as Alberto, Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan as Luca's parents, Daniela and Lorenzo, Emma Berman as Julia, Savario Raimundo as Ercole, Marco Baricelli as Massimo, and Sandy Martin as Grandma Paguro. I'm glad I didn't look before uh, because I didn't realize Maya Rudolph was mom. She was the one character that I was like, I know this person. I'm trying not to place them. Eavesdropping on commercials and stuff. I think she was the only person that I knew was a voice in something. And then I figured out it was her voice. Jacob Tremblay was the was the surprise. I was like, that's him? Wow. Hmm. He's the kid from Room and Wonder. So, like, he's grown up. I don't think I've seen either of those. Room is really good. Um, what is it? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Brie Larson plays his mom in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Brie Larson. Yeah. yeah. She's good people. Shout out to Brie Larson, because we're friends. Not really. Jack Dylan Gracer was in It and Shazam. And he was another kid that I was like, oh, this is really, he's really doing a great performance as uh, Alberto. He sounds older mm-hmm. than, like, last time I saw him, or last time I heard him. Emma Berman was also really good. I had my notes that she reminds me, like, her voice performance reminds me of a younger Dakota Fanning. Like, when Dakota Fanning was in Coraline. Mm-hmm. So good. How she just switches from intense to sweet little girl on mm-hmm. a dime. Really good performance. The music was done by Dan Romer, who did the music for Beasts of the Southern Wild and Beasts of No Nation. The two films are not related. I just thought it was funny that Beasts (laughs) of One Thing and then Beasts of Another Thing. Both great movies. I recommend both of them. The film has a 90% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, has a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, and it has a 71% on Metacritic. And because it was released on Disney Plus and not in theaters, there is no box office. Which is sad. I read in trivia that a lot of the artists at Pixar were upset because Soul and Luca weren't released in theaters, or they weren't even put behind a paywall. And I completely agree. Like both of these movies, more so than Raya or Mulan, should have generated some kind of box office because I have a feeling like both of these films, I think, are better than Onward. Yes, agreed. I think box office is the most tangible way to see, is your movie successful? Do people like it? Did people go see it? Mm-hmm. And I think Pixar on Luca and Soul deserve, especially on, you know, Soul. Soul, Soul was more obvious. But I think these artists and the creative team behind this movie deserved that, you know, validation, that recognition mm-hmm. that people saw this. All right, let's get into it. Grace, what do you think? I big fat ugly cried. Wow. 
I haven't done that in a long time. I can't remember the last movie I cried in. I big fat ugly cried. I watched this last night with my friends Allie and Jacob, and um, and I had Pepper the pup keeping me company, and Pepper could tell that I was like distraught because she started giving me kisses. <laughs> That's um, so cute. Yeah, I. We can talk about why Big Fat Ugly cried. Uh, brief overview: I liked it a lot. What do you think? I appreciated it more on the second watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I appreciated the whole thing more on the second watch because the first time I saw it, I didn't pay attention as much because full disclosure, I wasn't mm-hmm. super hyped about this movie. Um, so when I watched it, I was like, okay, what is this about? You know, what's it going to be about? And I didn't read anything about, you know, what the movie mm-hmm. was about either. I went in um, blind too. Yeah. So like the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I was like, okay, is this going to be the whole movie? And the movie, it didn't take off for me until about, what, the 30? 40 minutes in. The, yeah, 30, 40 minutes in. Yeah. And then once, once it took off, like, Oh, it was great. I was all in. Yeah. So the movie's only, and I was really tired. Um, we went hiking at Rainier yesterday. Um, so I was already really tired. I'd been out in the sun all day. And so I was like, huh. And I, I didn't, I know that we watched the preview for this at some point, um, but that was a long time ago. And so I pretty much blocked it from my memory. I didn't remember what it was about. I had two people in the last week tell me, you need to watch this. When are y'all recording? So I was excited to watch it, but didn't, went in blind. And then I was kind of like, huh, like, this is cute. I definitely got some Little Mermaid vibes at the beginning. But it's a slow pickup. Um, and I think that's, for me, that's part of what makes, like, the 7.6 on IMDb kind of justified. Is It's not a particularly well-paced movie, but... Somewhere around the 30 to 40 minute mark, things really start picking up. I think once they start training for the race is really where it starts to pick up. Or maybe when his parents come to land. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What grade would you give it before we get into any nits or grits? B plus. I think a B plus. I need to watch it again because my feelings at the end of the movie were very emotional. So I think I need to watch the whole thing and gain some perspective. But yeah. I think a B plus because, or maybe an A minus, but it, I think it really, the pacing is, was a distraction. I also need to watch it when I'm not so tired. I think that, I think that would help because I started watching it again last night and I got tired or it was late. I started watching it at like 11 mm-hmm. and then I was like, wait, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to stop. Got up this morning, yeah. watched the full thing again. And it was a better idea. Um, yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I think B, B plus is good. Like not to like, why isn't it an A? It's, it's a, it's a, it's good. Like it's a good high B plus. The we'll last half of this movie is a solid A plus. Oh yes. Absolutely. Or at least, at least a solid A. Yes. Um, yeah. Quick spoiler alert. I'm going to get into it. Uh, play the alarm. I already zone. said there's a race. Sorry, y'all. That's fine. <laughs> but That's fine. also you're here. <laughs> As soon as it was over, I said, I need to watch this again sometime because the beginning was such a kind of a drag for me because what Pixar does, this was kind of a twofold of what Pixar does. Um, Pixar will give you a great story, 
set in the second part a great world i was way i was wanting more at the beginning of what luca's world pre everything else was like Mm -hmm. and i don't think the beginning gave me really a good look at that so when alberto shows up it's like okay we're we're just jumping right into it like i don't know that much about i wanted more about who luca is and with the rest of the story like that's the point i guess i guess that's the point luca doesn't know he he isn't anybody and the whole movie is him becoming somebody somebody yeah i don't think i need more about who luca is prior to his life on land but i think i would like more like maybe a grandma telling scary stories about the people above something to give us a better idea of why luca's mom is mortified that he's on land yeah it it didn't quite click it I just don't think it was very convincing. Yeah. Um, they didn't give enough of that evidence that going to land was a really, really, really bad idea. Yeah. If you go in with the Little Mermaid in mind, you may not need that because what's why don't they like land and Little Mermaid? People are bad. Full stop. Mm-hmm. They don't give you any kind of backstory. And yeah. I guess uh, <laughs> the mom does say they are here to do murders, which is one of my favorite lines. <laughs> I almost opened with that line, welcome to Disney Versus, where we're here to <laughs> do we're murders. Here to do murders. <laughs> but uh, obviously I decided against it for obvious reasons. That could look um, bad <laughs> if yes. something happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, don't want this podcast used as evidence in any kind of trials. Um, but yeah, it humans pose a threat to sea creatures. And I guess they kind of expand on that when you get to the village where everybody hates sea monsters apparently i guess they have a history with sea monsters and it would have kind of lent lended more to that idea that the parents have if maybe like they lost maybe mom lost a brother or luca lost a brother to someone in the village just thinking off the top of my head but Mm -hmm. that's that's the one thing that the first time i saw this it was a it was something that I bumped up against. It's like, okay, I need to know more about Luca. Like it and on the second watch it's like, okay, is he just, you know, a farm boy that he's he's kind of a Luke Skywalker. He's a farm boy who wants to be where the people are. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was f- uh, another thing, the the cognitive dissonance of hearing a fish making a goat sound like in all seriousness <laughs> was hilarious. I thought that was very cute. Yeah, I thought him as a shepherd of a school of fish was very, very cute. And I mean, just like a whole day in the life of Luca would have been, would have done a little bit more for me at the beginning. But knowing where we're going, it kind of smooths it out for me now. But I think Mm -hmm. first time viewers, it's like, oh, is this it? Is a possible reaction that might happen. But once he meets Alberto, you know, we're off and going. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of mad funny lines in this there's a lot of funny moments where i just like laughed out loud. like i just got up too like i'm supposed to be groggy but there were times where i was just like laughing out laughing. loud yeah yeah like all we're gasping where... or just like <gasps> yeah there are like, a lot of uh, emotions i i so the turning point for me i think like yes his parents come to land 
made me laugh and I started to get more interested. The turning point for me where I was like, oh, shit, was when Luca sold out Alberto. Oh, my gosh. I was I was so mad. I was so upset and just heartbroken, devastated. There's your second uh, act turn. Uh, yeah. There's your turn to end the second act. Yeah. I, I really like the relationship between Luca and Alberto. And mm-hmm. there's a theme that we're going to talk about later on that I want to save a lot of this conversation for. I mean, I, uh, I think we can talk about it now. Okay. So a big theme of this movie that I've heard online and that was kind of spoiled for me. Um, the story is kind of an allegory for the LGBT plus community. And I, I sent a text message to Heather like when I got done with this movie. I think I'm using this correctly but this movie is very gay Mm -hmm. and what i mean is these and it's it's totally it's totally a situation of making context or subtext text and making an allegory Mm -hmm. part of a an actual theme but the way that these two are not so much devoted to each other but he just met alberto and kind of the way that alberto kind of brings him out of his shell Mm -hmm. it's it's very poignant to luca's you know coming of ageness and coming out as a person yes that's exactly what i thought too at the end of the movie and i can't decide i need to watch it again because i can't decide if it's a little too on the nose or not i was reading an article on was it slate yes it was slate so Casarosa, the director, yes. So mm-hmm. the director, Enrico Casarosa, did say that. Here, I'm just going to pull it. Uh, so the Slate article says, but Casarosa has insisted that the movie's central relationship is purely platonic. I was really keen to talk about a friendship before girlfriends and boyfriends come in to complicate things. I think that's true. I think I think that makes sense. I also think he is one person in that big scheme and the, and in the machine that is making a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like, I don't think it needs to be on the nose to be an allegory for, I mean, anyone coming out and I don't think it necessarily has to be LGBTQ plus either. Um, mm-hmm. but I thought it did a good job. I thought it did a good job. And I think it, the drama of hiding yourself and then sharing that with people or mm-hmm. having that shared on your behalf without <laughs> you wanting it to. Like, that's mm-hmm. traumatic. It felt traumatic in the movie. So I appreciate that. I think they captured that well. It's multiple levels. And I appreciate him saying that it's he's he welcomes multiple interpretations of the film because those multiple interpretations are there. Like, on a simple, prepubescent, for lack of a better word, range, the sort of jealousy that you see in alberto when julia starts getting close to luca you could look at that in in the simple way of luca was my friend first julia get in line like mm-hmm. i felt that before mm-hmm. and then there's the then you can look at it at the higher level of this is my person julia get in line like luca stay away from julia because you're my person mm-hmm. so uh, both work yeah. i think I think 
it's that's annoying, right? Like it's an annoying mind space to be in, but they're also very young. And so mm-hmm. that emotional intelligence piece makes a ton of sense. Um, or that lack of emotional intelligence. I can we just talk about Julia's dad? Yes. I loved him. I loved him. I loved him as a supportive character. I thought Pixar did a great job of taking a character that has almost no speaking and having them play a really important part of a supportive father figure who uh, can accept exactly what is in front of him um, to Mm. support his daughter. I kind of like that we didn't ever meet Julia's mom. Also, good on you, Pixar, for showing a what looks like a healthy divorce relationship hashtag girl dad he's awesome and he's super supportive of his daughter because he says you know i don't want you to do this race because you get so upset but he goes it's like okay if you want to do this you're gonna have to help me pay for it it gives her the opportunity to you know live her dream and everything because she really wants to win this race and yeah he's a really good character and like he said i love i like that he didn't have any dial that much dialogue but he does everything with like a look and mm-hmm. he reminds me of flint's dad from cloudy with a chance of meatballs because it's all done with like his, his eyes eyebrows. slash eyebrows mm-hmm. and it's so great and my favorite thing at the, was at the end when luca and alberto are revealed to be sea monsters and he's the biggest fucking dude in town mm-hmm. has one arm He's a, he's about to catch him a sea monster, and he sees them go and help his his daughter, and then he realizes who it is. That changes everything because he's all about his kid. And it didn't take him thirty seconds. It no. didn't. As soon as he knew who they were, he put it together that they've misunderstood this race, mm-hmm. um, and defended them. And the fact that he kind of becomes, a, at the end, he becomes a pseudo-father figure to Alberto, whose mm-hmm. father ran out on him. Period. Like, his father yeah. abandoned him. Which is another element of the story that is just like, man. That's heavy. That's <laughs> heavy. Alberto's a young kid who thinks he knows everything but doesn't know shit. And his dad's like, you're grown. You got this. Peace out. That's so fucked up for a little kid. And how old do you think they are? Early teens, late preteens, early teens, maybe. I think I, I think I read like, somewhere that Luca is thirteen, so maybe Alberto is fourteen. Yeah, I could go with that. I was thinking a little bit younger, but yeah. I don't. Um, I don't think they're that young. Yeah. But yeah, just thinking about it, like it's a. It, there are a lot of great relationships and a great and a lot of great. Uh, parental things like looking at Mm -hmm. lucas parents like i wish i wish this movie had come out when we did our episode on disney parents because there are a lot of great parents in this there are lucas parents and parents parents come in different shapes and sizes yeah families come in different shapes and sizes Mm -hmm. because they're like lucas parents want him to be safe and they have their fears and biases of the surface world like king triton did and they want him to they want him to be himself, but they think him being himself is him being under the sea. And I promise I'm gonna stop making Little Mermaid comments. Uh, <laughs> I I promise nothing. They want him to be safe and under the sea and with them. And then but you see his grandma giving him looks 
where she knows, like, she's known what's up the whole time. And she covers mm-hmm. for him. Like, when he comes back and she says, oh, he went, I sent him to get me sea cucumbers. And just kind of gives him a look. Like, I know where you were. Mm-hmm. And then there's Massimo, Julia's dad. And then even Julia's mom, like, lets this stranger boy come to stay with them. Yeah. So, there are a lot of great parents in this movie. I, going back to Luca's grandma, I want a short on her life or, like, her experience with the town. There's something there, and they didn't dig into it at all. It was just, like, a fleeting glance of, you know, this woman has a story, um... And I want I want a short on it. Not a full movie, just like three minutes. See, another LGBT allegory mm-hmm. or nod is the two women that come out as sea monsters at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. I think Luca's grandma is probably friends with them. Yeah, I think so too. So I think I the think short would just be Luca's grandma and them just doing... Playing cards you know, or something like that. Yeah, just doing <laughs> stuff in the village. Like, it sounds like uh, Massimo, I think Massimo may have known her. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe maybe they ran into each other at one point, like, when with her as a human, air quotes human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, recommended pasta or something. Like, in the short, it would be none of the kids, just the grandma, maybe Massimo, and those two ladies. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely watch a, a grandma short. Or one of those popcorn shorts that I haven't had the, made the time to watch. That Pixar did. It's like a one or two minute short. Was there a short before this? There wasn't. And that's another thing that I miss about these movies being in theaters. It's a, a big mm-hmm. part of seeing these in theaters is the fantastic shorts that are usually in front of this. Mm-hmm. Knowing what I knew about the LGBT plus allegory, I almost watched the short out before this. Mm-hmm. But... Number one, it was a little on the nose for me in my head. And that short's like seven minutes. And this movie was like almost two hours. And I'm like, eh, I'll watch no, it. No, it was, it was, it was like an a hour minute. 36, thir- an hour, 36 minutes. Okay. Without credits, yeah. Yeah. The theme that uh, Enrico Casaroso, Casarosa also said is that this movie is a love letter to the summers of our youth. The formative years when you're finding yourself. And this mm-hmm. movie, along with In the Heights, like these are two just, these are summer movies. Mm-hmm. And I love the feeling that these movies give you. Um, I watched what, the one extra that is on Disney Plus right now of them taking the trips to Italy. And I love, I miss movies like this that Pixar has done that take you inside of a culture uh, the this, the world building that Pixar does is great, but I really appreciate the movies like Ratatouille and the movies like Coco and mm-hmm. movies like this where it takes you into another culture. Disney does this as well. They take you into another culture because especially with COVID, with COVID kind of grounding everyone, it's nice to see a movie like this that takes you back inside a place that we I may never go. Some people may never go again. And being able to see what life is like in another in another sp- space in another country, because mm-hmm. watching those it takes you inside you know the architecture and how it um, 
how they form the buildings and how they use light like how light is different with those buildings over there and how the water is and how the sea life looks or how the 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 ocean or the the sea floors look over mm-hmm. there stuff like that i really appreciate the work and the attention to detail and especially with casa rosa being from Genova, uh, i i really liked how how much italy is in this movie me too and i like that there was a lot of italian language in the movie um Mm -hmm. that was it was fun and i also think like there was a little bit of drawing attention to yes this is a movie set in italy and our two main characters don't really speak italian like they don't know what they're saying in italian they are literally fish out of water because Um, they don't speak the language like he well kind of because there are little phrases that Luca knows, but on the whole, they don't know a lot of the uh, a lot of Italian phrases. Like, mm-hmm. like in trivia, I'm not going to pronounce it because my Italian is non-existent. Uh, Alberto says his little greeting when he meets Luca, and Luca's like, "What does that mean?" And <laughs> another funny line, Luca's like, "What does that mean? Like what you just said?" And he just kind of stare. He just kind of stares off. And Alberto just completely avoids the question. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's fine. Yeah. And then at the end, he says, go find out what it means for me. <laughs> oh, that line was so cute at the end. Full disclosure, I didn't ugly cry, but I, I, I don't ugly cry at things. Except for Hachi, a dog's tail. Don't watch it. It's a trap. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I, I get, like, that little one tear. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yeah. Get called a thug tear get the thug tear at the end of movies that's it the end of the movie really got me because their whole goodbye and everything you could see that like all the decisions that alberto makes because he was he's a jerk for a chunk of the movie because he's jealous of you know losing his friend to this new girl and all the decisions that he makes from basically from bringing the umbrella to luca on it's all to kind of you know, make up for that and, you know, show genuine love for his friend. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me. <laughs> the the umbrella, like, I'd been crying, and then the umbrella was, like, another wave of, like, <laughs> Grace is like, I won't be able to see the rest of this movie through my tears. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I think I just kept saying, I can't, I can't. <laughs> it's too much. When he was running after the train. Man, running after the train scenes get me. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah. That part where he was just running after the train. He's like, go, Luca. And I was like, oh, they're friends. He's such a, he's such a cheerleader. Right? Oh. Right. Because that, that's, kind of that's kind of what he turns into. Uh, from bringing the umbrella on he turns into a cheerleader with you know you want to go do this thing because luca is incredibly inquisitive the entire time that's his Mm -hmm. character and i like there's some trivia luca has the biggest eyes of anybody in the movie because of how like how inquisitive and interested in everything he is and Mm -hmm. i like that but Mm -hmm. alberto turns into a cheerleader and kind of makes all of his his uh he makes a lot of unselfish decisions to kind of support his friend. 
And I really appreciated that. What did you think of the music? I didn't notice it. I realized that as you uh, were talking about the composer, I didn't notice the music in this at all. Like, none of it was memorable. What about you? I kind of recognized the... I need to listen to the soundtrack independently. But I think at the end, kind of the... Like, the softer moments. Like, when Lucas first... When he's on land for the first time. Mm -hmm. And definitely when the train is driving off. Stuff like that. And when they're swimming to the... When they're swimming from the island to the town. Those are the moments where I notice it. Mm -hmm. But really, as far as music goes, I notice the, like, Italian songs more. Mm-hmm. Like the song that's over the opening, the opening logos and everything. Like I'll get that stuck in my head now. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I, I I noticed that his dad was singing along to uh, Marriage of Figaro when mm-hmm. he's making pasta when they meet him. Yeah, all the all the songs, uh, just the casual interstitial songs, were cute, and it went went along with the movie itself, and. The score wasn't bad, it's just I didn't notice it that much. Yeah. And as far as possible awards, I think Best Animated Feature, obviously, is it's going to get at least nominated because this movie looks gorgeous. It's going to have to go against uh, Raya for awards. And maybe Best Original Screenplay. I don't know how much uh, we'll go into. I mean, I don't know how much goes into choosing screenplay, but I think this is it's a pretty decent story. Yeah, I could see this. I do not see this being competitive for Best Animated Feature, but I could see this being very competitive for Best Original Screenplay. You mean like not being competitive as in not being picked, or it's not Not winning. Oh, okay. I haven't seen many other things lately that I would say, oh, this is a great animated feature. I mean, it'll be in... No, because Soul already had its cycle. Oh. Yeah, Soul, Soul already won. Hmm, okay. Some trivia that I haven't mentioned yet. Actually, before we get to trivia, is there anything else that you want to bring up? I definitely want a pasta after. Yeah, all the food in this was delicious. Um, I didn't catch it, speaking of pasta, I didn't catch it until the second watch that the pasta that they were eating in the race was the pasta that her dad had made for them. Mm-hmm. You know, both times. Yes. Yes, and I was trying to think just now about the moments that got me ugly crying and there was when Lucas sells out Alberto just like no I don't know if I was crying at that point but that's when I was like leaning in invested mm-hmm. maybe a little teary um but there was there was something before I mean like during the race that was emotional and then the umbrella part and then the dad standing up for them as monsters. And then um, the lesbian monster couple. Mm-hmm. And, and the then train scene. I think the goodbye part between mom and son. Between mom and Luca. Yeah. I want a smash cut of family and group hugs in Pixar movies. Because it's like... The toys at the end of Toy Story, <laughs> The Incredibles, um, this family, Coco's family, um, mm-hmm. there Marlin was, oh, saying there bye was, to Nemo. There was a line, I can't remember where it was, it was somewhere towards the end, last half hour or so, um, 
where like they one of them was saying you're my blank or like we are blank and i was like family 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 it's family it's a family movie it's about family uh the family that you choose um and i don't remember what that line was and that's not what they that's not what the line was um but that's what kept going through my head i wrote down to to break the emotional ice i wrote down some of my favorite lines or no some of the favorite instances the dolphin line when they're talking about uh like making a dolphin sound isn't hard and then she makes the sign and she makes the sound and Lucas' dad says i don't know why they just don't talk like normal like like normal and i was like oh my gosh you can't make a meta comment like that <laughs> when they go to sign up for the race and the lady is you know going through the sea monster story and julia just blurts out get to the rules <laughs> and she does it i'm like you're just gonna let this little girl punk you like that look at you with your broom and trident how am i supposed to believe you now oh okay i wanted to look this up i'm gonna butcher this girolamo trombetta i have that in trivia oh okay i mean you can you i'm can not done it. i'm not there yet <laughs> okay okay go you go ahead (laughs) okay i just read it (laughs) please continue i also love how in the in lucas daydreams and this is another thing from trivia uh when he hits his head and when he's daydreaming he doesn't see stars he sees fish Mm -hmm. because he doesn't know what stars stars are until julia tells him Mm -hmm. that's a good bit of story that's a big it's a good bit of continuity yeah i i thought that was very cute (laughs) they're like a lot of moments where it's like oh this makes sense or just big laugh out loud moments yeah i should bring up the villain ercole at one point i thought like the villain of this movie was just privilege because Mm -hmm. ercole is just kind of this terror this rich kid terror yeah on the on the entire town and he's just like he has his two henchmen that at the end of the movie like with a lot of henchmen don't take his shit anymore and just toss yeah. him into the fountain i love uh i love that they call him senior vespa um uh, yeah i thought the villain was good i like that he wasn't the biggest part of the movie yeah Although, in Julia's mind, he was, in, in her story. But I love that that didn't, that wasn't the most important part. Going back to Lucas' dreams, daydreaming, um, I did appreciate how whimsical this was for being yes. set in a real place. Um, this did a really great job of, and I mean, we talk about Pixar world building. This did a great job of meshing to together which i don't know that it's done i mean i guess coco yeah but i liked how whimsical it was and that it was okay that it wasn't realistic this is the second pixar movie in a row where character ends up in a world where they shouldn't be and someone from the normal world air quotes comes after them to bring them back to where they should be because in soul you have the counter, whoever the counter's name was, is coming after Joe because Joe should be dead. 
And he's not dead. I mean, there were multiple Jerry's. There's Terry, but Terry's a woman. I think it is Jerry, because everyone Jerry. is named yeah. Terry. Yeah. Yes, but there were a couple oh. Jerry's. Oh, no. Yeah, there are three Jerry's. Four Jerry's. There are many Jerry's. Okay, so Terry is the person that I'm thinking of. Okay. And then everybody else is named Jerry. So, yeah. So, in Seoul, we have Terry coming after Joe. Trivia that I have. This movie premiered at the Aquarium of Genova, which is the largest aquarium in Italy. That's cool. Vespa founder Ronaldo Piaggio was born in Genova, as well as the director Enrico Casarosa. Cool. And then the words that Grace was trying to pronounce earlier that I'm not going to try and pronounce because my Italian, as you have heard, is horrible. It actually translates to, nice to meet you, my name is Twisty Trumbo. <laughs> Where would you rank Luca in Pixar movies? We, we ask this question with every Pixar movie that comes out. You guys knew it was coming. I feel like, do I have a ranking of Pixar movies somewhere on our drive? This one's nope. this one's tough as as we have more and more Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their twenty fourth film. I think this is somewhere in around like not top ten, maybe around like fifteen. I think it's solid middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of solid movies in that middle too. Yeah, like I know you put I know you put Ratatouille and Soul in there too. Yep, I like it. I would put it. I think that's where I would put it, too. Like, it's not one of the bad ones. It's, like I said, it's a great summer movie. It's a great feel-good movie to put on. You know, if someone's like, hey, let's watch let's watch Luca, I'd be down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not in the bottom tier. It's not in the top tier where, like, this movie is, you know, above reproach. Grace, what do you have for Drunk Disney? Um, The Drunk Disney rules are drink anytime someone says Luca – Drink for each bowl of pasta that you see, and drink any time any of the sea monsters change from sea monster to human or human to sea monster. Okay. Ooh, something I forgot about Julia. I like how every time she says she says Santa Matarela. Uh huh. She says a different cheese every time. <laughs> so some I feel like mozzarella was mentioned several times, and then we got a gorgonzola. <laughs> and then Pecorino. Oh, did we Pecorino. get Pecorino too? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. I one. caught it on the second time. I was like, okay, mozzarella is a cheese. Are the other ones cheese? Yes, they're all yes. cheese. Also, if I was a saint, being the saint of cheese would mm-hmm. be pretty great. But I accept that title. Man, we didn't talk about Julia all that much. Yeah, I liked her character. Uh, I like that she was spunky and um, had a lot of drive and wasn't. Uh, like experienced bullying, but was the bigger person, largely. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's she... another moment that made me cry was when Alberto was getting beat up. <gasps> what was he getting beaten up? He got beat up by um, Hercules uh, cronies. Oh, at the beginning? I don't think it was at the beginning. I think it was somewhere in the middle or towards the end, maybe. I don't remember. I don't remember that part. Yeah. Like, gets punched in the stomach. I thought that was a lot. I like that Julia was like, was that too much? My mom says I'm too much sometimes. 
ooh. And I like that she was accepting, uh, initially freaked out, but when she found out that Luca was a sea monster also, mm-hmm. she wasn't, like, mad or scared. She initially switched to, why would you come to this town? Have you seen how people treat sea monsters in this town? Yeah, and she's fierce. She's spunky. She's fierce. Um, she has her own opinions. She likes to learn and she likes to teach um, and was willing to welcome new people into the community. She's a good kid. Because it doesn't seem like she's very... Well, she doesn't live there full time, but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like she's a popular kid in town. Yeah. Well, so she, she has... Yeah, and she works all the time too, so she doesn't really have time to hang out with friends and play soccer and eat gelato. Mm-hmm. So seeing the two, you know, meeting Luca and Alberto gave her a uh, a crew, a gang to hang out with, you know? Yeah. Something about the animation too, like, I, I, we talked about this when the trailer came out. Like, these don't look like... Luca does not look the same design-wise as Miguel. Like, mm-hmm. Luca is a little bit he looks a little bit rounder, like his face does. Mm-hmm. I guess that assists with the transition from him going to... Because he also has to be a sea monster, but at some point, Miguel has to be a skeleton in Coco. Mm-hmm. So I just I just find that interesting that all of these characters can fit in the same... Because the Pixar theory states that all of these exist on the same timeline. I'm super excited to see where this fits in. I'm, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go look where Luca fits in with the Pixar theory. Because they could be normal people in the same world as Coco, or they could be monsters in the monster timeline, or they could be uh, fish with in the Finding Nemo universe. So this is kind of a... That's true. Where is this going to be? Could all line up, yeah. That is our review of Luca. Tell us what you think in the comments. Please please be gentle with my pronunciation of things because I don't speak Italian at all. I'm working no? on it. No. <laughs> nah. I did have Duolingo when it came out, when that was popular. And the thing that I wanted to learn was Italian. So maybe I'll get back to it. I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't get very far. I got like maybe two lessons in. You can follow Disney Versus on social media, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney Versus, on Twitter at Disney VS, and on Instagram at Disney Versus Podcast. Uh, follow my cooking journey on, with uh, hashtag yeah. Disney Parks Cookbook Challenge. What did you make with Puff Pastry? The Cheshire Cat Tales. It's, oh. uh, Have you posted there. this already? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I posted it this morning. Okay. Um, it's puff pastries stuffed with vanilla pudding and chocolate chips twisted and baked and then there's purple and pink icing on top of it like cheshire cat's tail (laughs) it's very messy this this looks suspect (laughs) (laughs) just mostly the pink and purple icing (laughs) I was following yeah. through, and then I wasn't. I have puff, pa- puff pastry that I need to use before I leave, but also I don't want to turn on my oven because it's 100 degrees this week. Try making them without your oven. Just put them outside. Oh, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> I could try doing something on the grill upstairs, my cast iron. Don't do that. Spin a copita or something. 
just remember to spray the pan so they don't stick to the foil like mine <laughs> yeah. did. Oh, I no. I didn't know. It just, I mean, they were fine. It just sort of took forever to peel them off the foil to be eaten. Mm-hmm. Lessons learned. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Please give us a five-star review. And if you give us a five-star review and drop a comment, we will read it on the show. As always, thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.